In a small town, normally word travels fast, but in this case, it's radio silence. It's been 14 years since Rogersville, Tennessee, a small town in East Tennessee near the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, lost one of its local leading businessmen. In that, uh, in the last 14 years, nothing has changed in this case. It's, you know, nobody's come forward. There's been no news on any kind of DNA testing of the evidence collected, uh, no ballistics on the gun, um, nothing. It's just like it's still March 31st, 2006, and investigators have just arrived to the scene and they, they, they're, they're beginning their investigation. You know, whatever they do know, it's not enough to move the case forward, so why don't we, me and you, us, go out and start digging around and maybe asking some questions on this case? So that's why this season of the weekly podcast is going to be different. We're going to go on location, and we're going to find witnesses and people that knew the victim and talk to investigators. We're going to try to talk to everybody that we can, and maybe we'll open some doors that lead to to others that have information that they're willing to share, maybe that they've not shared before, and that's 14 years later, maybe they'll they'll share now. Um, And, and, you know, somebody knows something, and hopefully we we can find that somebody that knows that particular something and get some answers to this case that there's nothing really known so this whole season is going to be dedicated to the death or killing of Larry Vickers and in this episode we're going to go over the basics of the case and what we know and kind of pick through the evidence that has been basically what what the what the public knows, what we know about the death or killing of Larry Vickers. We'll go into the basics of that case, and in this episode, it's called the shooting, the car wash, and the truck. Who killed Larry Vickers? This is the weekly podcast. guys thanks for listening thanks i know we've had a break and that's what we've done we've taken a, taken a couple months to get through some covid issues and holidays and i know christmas is coming up wanted to kind of change things up a little bit with the podcast we want to see if we can make a difference i want to dig into this case i want to i want to to see if we can find answers i want to to see if we can answer these questions because this case there's not not a lot of information that's out there but in in this first episode I want to go over some of the basics and then in future episodes we'll have witness interviews interviews with the uh, investigators uh, family of uh, and friends of the victim and and really dig in to see about finding out what happened to Larry Vickers. 
Larry Vickers owned several rather large or good size car dealerships. He owned a Chevrolet dealership in Rogersville, Tennessee. He also was the owner of Testerman Ford in Rogersville, Tennessee. Um, so he was a fairly wealthy gentleman. Um, he was 49 years old in 2006. On Main Street in Rogersville, Tennessee, he had a single bay automatic car wash. And it was located kind of adjacent to the Testerman Ford dealership. Now, you hear me say Main Street, and you think of a, maybe a busier little downtown area. Well, the heart of Main Street, yes, has that classic look to it. But where this was actually located was on the very end of Main Street. And it was really kind of an isolated area. It wasn't... Uh, the, you know, the hustle and bustle part of Main Street. So, on March the 30th, 2006, Larry Vickers is going to the car wash to look at the changer, the, or, you know, you put your money in, you want the deluxe wash, because this was a one single bay automatic wash. So you put your money in to token whatever, drive your car through. Well, they're having some issues with the cash box, and I'm sure... Possibly his routine was maybe every night he emptied that cash box. Maybe once a week he did it. Maybe twice a week. Either way, I'm sure there was a routine to that. But on this particular night, there was two things. There was a light inside the bay of the car wash that needed repaired. And the change, machine, whatever, needed some type of maintenance. So, what we know is Larry Vickers arrives at the car wash probably somewhere after 10 o'clock at night because there is a cash receipt from that cash box that he had repaired and was looking at when he done the printout for the day. The timestamp was 1054. So we know that when he finished up with that cash box, it was 10.54 p.m., March the 30th, 2006. Now, we also know he spoke to three different friends, co-workers, acquaintances. He spoke to three people on his cell phone in the time frame between 11 p.m. that night and around 11, 10, 11, 15. So we know he's at the car wash. He was alive at between 11, 11, 15. Now, here's where we don't know what happened. So his friends speak to him. It's 11, 11 o'clock on March the 30th. At 8.54, March the 31st, a 911 call is placed that there is a gentleman in a truck parked at the car wash that appears to be deceased. Investigators arrive. So 
we'll walk through some of this evidence that was found and then we'll go over some of the things that don't we'll call them theories but when police arrived they they noticed that the doors of the truck were locked so for the sake of finding out who this we know that this is Larry Vickers we know that he was at the car wash the night before we know he was looking at the cash box at 1054 we know that he talked to three people between 11 and 11 15 we know this police find he's locked inside the cab of his truck they get into the truck Larry Vickers has suffered a single gunshot wound through the torso Larry Vickers is soaking wet so to me a couple of things that are odd it wouldn't be so odd that he's soaking wet he was inside of a car wash who knows what could happen water's involved but the fact that he has a gunshot wound in the torso and he is locked inside his truck So either he got shot, took coverage in the truck, locked the door, afraid maybe whoever shot him would come back, or whoever shot him posed it, put him in the truck, and obviously we all know how easy it is to do things out of pure habit and just hit the lock button on the door before they shut it. As police start to look around this single bay car wash, they notice inside the bay where Larry Vickers was working on a lot on a ladder they noticed droplets of blood in this bay so right now they're automatically thinking this is where the crime or the shooting took place we've got blood now to further support this the single gunshot wound to the torso come to find out through autopsy was at an upward trajectory and as they look at the scene and they looked at the at the trajectory they can come to a conclusion that mr. Vickers was on this ladder fixing this light in the bay of this car wash and the shooter was on the ground, standing on the ground. We know that Mr. Vickers spoke to three people the night before he was shot. But there's no cell phone found on him, in the truck, or at the scene. What investigators do uncover is the magazine of a revolver or a pistol whatever maybe not a revolver but I guess that'd be the six shooter whatever anyway a gun a gun the magazine to a gun was in the drainage grate inside of the wash bay where the blood and where was found and where mr. Vickers was changing a lot also found 
not at the car wash, but several feet away from the bay of the car wash, over a fence, and on the property of the Hawkins County bus garage, school bus garage, which was, once upon a time, the Testerman Ford dealership, which it had been sold, the property had been sold to the Hawkins County School Board, and this is where they keep their buses. So, over the fence, on the property of the Hawkins County School um, Bus Garage, they find a gun. A gun that goes with the magazine found in the drainage grate inside the car wash. Now, this property where the bus garage is, like I said, it used to be a the Testerman Ford dealership that Mr. Vickers once owned, but he had sold it and even sold the property. So he still had this car wash, which once upon a time, it made sense probably for him to buy this because, you know, they would use it to, to clean up vehicles and things like that. So what we have so far on the scene is we've got Larry Vickers shot one time in the torso in his truck with the doors locked. Inside the bay where he was fixing a light, we notice blood on the ground. And even through autopsy, this is where he was shot because of the upward trajectory of the bullet. In the same bay, in the, in the, in the drainage grate, we find a magazine to a gun. And then just adjacent to the crime scene, we find a gun that had been tossed over a fence. The cell phone that was used to, to make these phone calls the night before was never recovered. It wasn't in his truck, wasn't on his person, wasn't in the ditch, wasn't in the field. Well, it might have been, but they didn't find it. The cell phone is gone. So what do we have? Investigators start looking at this gun a little closer. And they notice that one spent round or the casing is jammed in the gun. And a live round is jammed uh, you know, on the on the opposite side, on the bottom side. So basically, what has happened is when the shooter fired this shot, the casing jammed the top of the gun, and as it tried to load another one out of the magazine, it jammed as well. So we've got a gun that's jammed. To me, there's a lot of things that are odd about this scene either I mean it's just it and I'm we'll go through what I feel is odd but kind of look at what evidence is there and then kind of say well what why is this why is that what do you think anyway but so far this is what we've got and it's not a lot but it's just Let's look at 
the our timeline. We first talked that on March the 30th, 2006, Larry uh, Vickers has a a receipt from his cash box at the car wash, time stamped 10 54 p.m. We know for a fact through witness testimony, or I'm sorry, witness testimony. <coughs> excuse me, through witnesses, friends and relatives, whatever, that um, they spoke to Larry Larry Vickers on the phone at uh, between 11 and 11 15. So we know he was alive at 11 15. 11 11 15. Now, what we're going into in depth conversations and a dig on this case, this is. This episode is set up because we're going over. This is the information that's out. This is it. This is this is it. This is all we know about this case. And if we want any more information, we're going to have to go out and get it. And that's what we're going to do. But right now, I'm going to go over just what's there. There's nothing there. There is nothing there. So, we can say for sure that Mr. Vickers was alive at 11 p.m., basically March the 30th. So, we've got from 11 p.m. to basically 9 a.m. the next morning until he's found. So, that's a lot of time in between there. So, when he is found, what do they find? Well, they find a soaking wet... Larry Vickers locked inside the you know the cab of his truck. Now why I find that to be odd is because we know that Mr. Vickers was shot on a ladder inside of a wash bay and he was shot by somebody standing on the ground pointing a gun upward toward him on the ladder. We know this because blood was found in the wash bay. We know this because the magazine to the gun that was also found a little ways down from the wash bay was found in the drainage grate inside that same wash bay. So, We've, okay, let's. We, he's up on the ladder. He's fixing the light. Here comes the shooter. He shoots him. Now, what causes this to be different in my eyes is if that gun doesn't jam, maybe we're telling a story about a, a Larry Vickers that's been shot nine times. So, our shooter catches him up on the ladder, fires the shot. He's hitting the in the torso. Does it kill him instantly? I don't think so, obviously, because he makes it to the truck. Now, granted, yes, he could have been put in the truck, but once that first shot's fired in that 
wash bay, it's going to sound like a freaking cannon. Now, the shooter, this could be a relative, a friend, a co-worker, somebody he owes money to, somebody he took money from. We don't know anything about the victim yet to cause a motive. We're going to get into that. So we don't know anything about what Larry Vickers was into. But there's two ways this plays out. This shooter is either masked or covered to disguise himself, or he's not. And this is somebody that he knows. Period. This is not a random shooting. This is not a robbery going wrong. This is a, I'm coming to kill you because of some reason. So the shot's fired. He gets hit. He's on the ladder. He starts to bleed. We've got droplets of blood at the bottom of the ladder. The shooter's gun is jammed. The shell casing has jammed this gun. He panics. That first shot was loud. It sounded like a cannon going off. Magazine drops out because it's jammed. He pulls the magazine out. Tries to clear the jam, drops the magazine, goes down into the drainage drainage grate. What's he going to do now? He bolts, runs off, tosses the gun over the fence on his way out. Now, if he's not wearing any kind of disguise, and he's just been able to fire one shot into the torso of Larry Vickers, he, he does he know for sure that that's going to be enough to kill him? Is he confident enough now that he can run off and make and know for a fact that he's he's hit his target and his target, the victim, Larry Vickers, is not able to identify him? These are these are questions I'd like to know. I mean it's just because it's either and I don't think it was so much that it was such a planned out killing that it it went off without a hitch. I, I think it was a bunch of of, of mistakes and I think luck on the part of the shooter but I do feel like that the shooter let's just say for the sake of argument that the shooter's got a mask or he's covered to, to disguise himself most of the time I would say that would probably happen so catches Larry on the ladder shoots the shot the gun jams oh you know he's struggling he's bleeding but he's not dead. He, he's coming down off the ladder. He tries to, to clear the jam of the gun. But what does he do? The shooter drops the magazine into the drainage grate inside the bay of the car wash. So now, maybe Mr. Vickers is coming at him before, you know, he's in shock. He's got the adrenaline going before that, that shot actually sets in. So the shooter runs off, throws the gun. So now... Mr. Vickers is starting to feel the blood loss and the and the shot. You know, maybe it hit something just enough to give him so you know enough time to do a few things. But obviously, it, it was enough of a shot to kill him. So he makes he does the only thing he can. He makes his way to his truck and locks the door, and then bleeds to death and dies. I would like to know where the cell phone is. 
Because in my mind, as I play this story out, because literally, guys, this is all we know. This is it. So speculation is about all we've got. But the fact that Mr. Vickers was locked inside his truck, and we know he was shot inside the bay, and him being soaking wet, that doesn't bother me so much because he could have laid on the ground inside that bay. You know how those car washes are. They're going to hold water. Uh, maybe he thrashed around in there in certain parts of it. I, I don't know, but he, he being wet, doesn't that doesn't bother me. That's not that crazy to me. You know, maybe he goes to the cab of his truck to lock the door because that's the safest place he could be. And in my mind, the only time it's going to be available because, you know, the killer, the shooter, doesn't know exactly where his cell phone is. Obviously, he's not on it when he shot. Unless when he shot, he's coming off the ladder, getting his phone out of his pocket to call 911. The shooter's trying to unjam the gun. He drops the casing. Maybe him, the shooter, and Mr. Vickers made contact. He grabs the phone because he's, you know, Mr. Vickers is, Larry Vickers is shot and he's weak. He grabs that phone to keep him from making that 911 call and then bolts. Because otherwise, in my mind, I don't see where he has that opportunity to just take that cell phone. But taking that cell phone was important. Because it's gone. And in that situation, he took the time to take it. Then it was something he had to do to preserve his freedom. <laughs> so what would be the reason to do that? Either, not because, oh, well, I made a phone call to him, you know, before and my name's going to be on his phone. That, taking the phone doesn't get, a, get rid of any of that. But to take the phone to keep him from calling 911 is the only reason to take that phone. And that phone is gone. And it's never been found. So it makes sense to me in my head that he, sh okay, he's shot. He's coming down off the ladder. He he's got the adrenaline going. He's not, in, in, you know, in, incapacitated yet. He's reaching his pocket to get cut the phone to call 911. What anybody would instinctively do. The shooter has jammed which is the only thing that probably gave him any time to do any of that, to get the, the phone and stuff. And as the shooter's wrestling with his gun, he loses his magazine. So now, you know, by this time, maybe Mr. Vickers has got the phone uh, and a nine and a one dialed. So he's got to get that phone. He's got to get the phone. He gets it. He's gone. So in Mr. Vickers, Larry Vickers' mind, the safest place is his truck. And he locks the doors. Which makes sense to me. That the shot, the one shot must have been enough. Because he's still in his truck. The next morning. At 9 o'clock. Or 8.54. So. Either he was. Had lost so much blood from the time of. Coming off that ladder and. Trying to get his phone and get into his truck. And locking the doors that he passed out or lost consciousness and then died because he didn't drive off. Maybe he didn't have his keys. Maybe his keys were in his jacket that was 
hanging up on a door that goes to the storage closet of the car wash. I don't know. But we know he didn't move his truck. We know that one shot with an upward trajectory in the torso was in fact enough to kill Larry Vickers. So why did this shooter want to kill Larry Vickers? In this season, we're going to try to find the reason for motive. We're going to try to find the motive. We're going to try to find the person. Then you find the means, the opportunity, when you have different persons of interest. I would just like to know a little bit more about this case. We don't know what... I, I personally did not know Larry Vickers. I don't know what he was involved in. That's what you find out, and you might find out who would have a motive. You find such motive, maybe you find a person that had that motive. It's a small town. I'm sure people talk. And I'm sure if you looked, you'd find a reason. You'd find that motive. So buckle up, guys. We're gonna talk to we're gonna talk to some people. We're gonna find those. Maybe we talk to the three people he talked to on the phone. I'm gonna. We're gonna talk to them. We're gonna talk to investigators. We're gonna talk to local residents. We're gonna talk to friends and family. So I hope you tune in. I hope you listen. Maybe we'll get some answers. This is the weekly podcast. And who shot Larry Vickers? <laughs>